Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very, very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great, great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. Blood Time, the podcast that speaks to the bond, the emotion between coach and athlete at the interscholastic and intercollegiate level. Each interview, each segment will reveal that bond and what was learned, how they were transformed, and what each athlete took to the world at large from that transformation. These stories will warm your heart and astound you all together. Submitted for your approval, now it is blood time. Hey guys, I want to thank our newest sponsor, Affinity Whole Health, and the owner, Brian Zide. He uh, started this company to get you feeling like you were in your prime. You can reach this company at feelgreatcleveland.com, founded obviously by a former wrestler athlete and his partner, who's also a former wrestler and athlete. The whole goal for this is to get you feeling like you're in in your prime, but also uh, helps you with muscle definition and strength increased libido, increased energy and drive, increased mental acuity, obviously increases your confidence if you get all those, and increases recovery time from workouts. If, uh, if you like all those things and you want all those things, check them out at feelgreatcleveland.com. Thank you again, Brian Zide and Affinity Whole Health. Blood time. It's Coach Cimarroni here. I want to thank my last guest, Lee Kemp, world-class wrestler, arguably one of the top five wrestlers on the entire continents ever produced of North America and South America. Maybe we'll have a discussion about that. It was interesting, too, what he said about how he would love to round robin with Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Dake if he was maybe 35 years younger. Uh, But what came through in that interview were two things that really hit me. Uh, when he talked about Wrestled Away, his documentary, which is out, please get it, support Lee, is humility and gratitude. It's an amazing thing when you're at that level and how truly grateful he sounded and was to be able to live the life he's lived, even with the ups and downs and the humility of what he has been given on this planet and how he has matriculated through in a beautiful way. Uh, I love Lee Kemp, and I love what he stands for, and I want to thank him again. I want to thank um, my phenomenal producer, Mav Peters, here. He's been, done, he's been doing a phenomenal job uh, these last 10 or 11 episodes, and we have somebody here today that is absolutely dear to my heart. I've known this young man since he was probably in fifth or sixth grade, maybe even earlier. I, I've known of him, and I also had the opportunity and, and honor to coach him, and then back... Um, when he became uh, a attorney 
he had the opportunity before he got um, into his his practice deep and heavy to become a, an assistant coach of mine. And I want to welcome Michael Goldberg. Hello, Michael. How you doing, babe? I'm great. It's great to be here. Yeah. You I probably... have a little emotion in my voice. I, this is you and, and Scott Peters, to me, uh, engender really what this is all about. Blood. Blood yeah. time. This 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 bond and what what occurred between you and I, and then what you did with that is just magnificent. And uh, it, it it really it, it's rare when I feel this, but I got to tell you, I feel it, and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I love you being here. So well, I'm just going to turn it over to you. I'll you tell know. you, so do I. And you know, blood time. Really, we're blood brothers. Yes, we are. Um, brothers from another mother. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think you probably knew me before. I was in fifth grade because I rode the bus with Christine, your sister. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I am sure I was the subject of a lot of um, complaints uh, by her to her family. Um, and um, I'm sure she threatened me with having her brother come on the bus. So you probably knew me from me. The only before. guy, the only guy that I had to do that with was with Craig. Cause Greg Gottsagen was torturing my poor little brother, Craig yeah. and stealing. So I had to, I, I, but I was a senior by the time, but anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Fantastic. So yeah, I feel like I, I grew up with your family, and uh, and for sure from the, when I started wrestling, you were always around, and um, you know you and I've been connected through the times we coached together, yep, and just being brothers. Absolutely, you know, and I remember when I really first met you, met you as as an adult. You know, I mean, when we were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year olds, we're pretty much adults at that point. Maybe you, you but yeah, well, you weren't. You were getting close to being an adult, and and I remember you had a really tough freshman year you didn't do very well sophomore maybe your sophomore year yeah it was your sophomore so i was jv and wrestling right, it right, was jv right. my freshman year right i did not coach you your freshman year so i, I did i okay. was in the room a little bit with uh, sorkin i remember i was mm-hmm. helping sorkin out because he got he he popped out his knee and i was working with him and i was i was not on staff officially but the first year i was on staff officially you were a sophomore and you didn't have you had a tough sophomore year. And I remember you got beat by Lenny Cosentino, was it? At, at sectionals. Calls? At sectionals. Yeah. And I and I, I remember saying to you, and I don't know if you remember this, I said, if you come back next year, I'm gonna be your worst nightmare. And I wrestled with you every day mm-hmm. and you gave me everything. And I had, you know, man strength and you were and I and you gave me everything you could. And man, I just saw this transformation in you and it was just beautiful. And I knew you engendered in me, you inspired in me that I could become a coach. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, I didn't know I was doing that, but I'm glad I did. You did. I wasn't so self-aware of, of a lot of things back then. But, right. but yeah, that sophomore year was very tough. Right. And I won a few matches, lost most of the matches. And the thing was, uh, you know, I was on – it was my first varsity year. Right. And, you know, I was basically my third or fourth year of really wrestling, of competitive wrestling. Right. And – you know, Beachwood teams at that time, and this is the late 70s, were legendary. And, you know, when I was in eighth grade, we had uh, Stone and Fisher in the room. Sure. And then in ninth grade, uh, Sorkin, Levine, yeah. not to mention you know, all-time greats like Tommy Weiss, David yeah. Sternberg, yeah. Stuart Smiley, Butch Lapsley, everybody in the room. And all of a sudden, um, that my sophomore year, that one uh, thirty. 26, 126 position in the lineup right. was open. I think I wrestled off for it, and um, there it was in the lineup. Right. And, um, you know, I, I I think I physically I probably was ready to compete. Mentally, I just – I don't think I was ready. 
And I think when you mentioned that Lenny Cosentino, uh, that was one of those matches where when I'm in, uh, was a sophomore, I was like, I'm never going to beat this guy. He's a senior. He, he probably was not a great wrestler. I don't think he made state, but you know, I just saw him as being older and better and, you know, I didn't Physically have Physically matured, too. You know yeah. what I mean? He, and he was just, you know. He was he hairy. Just, yeah, he was hairy. Yeah, he, was a, he was a man. And I just didn't see myself beating him. And um, really, between that kind of crappy, adverse sophomore year and coming back for my junior year, I, I, I did go through a, a, a big mindset change. Yes. My body didn't change that much. I was at 32. Right. Um, my sophomore year, but my brain had changed considerably. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's that's where I started to become successful. And it was interesting because, you know, that that is the golden era, right? You know, you had uh, Sorkin and Levine winning two uh, state championships in the same year, and I think it was in 77. You know, and I kind of le- I kind of think about the three of you, you, Tolan, and, and Lapsley, kind of like Butch and the Sundance Kid, maybe Django, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so you brought that kind of swagger, but it wasn't, it was confidence. It wasn't arrogance, which I loved about about you guys. But also, too, what I what I recognize there as a young coach is that I could truly connect with you guys. So from the chair to the mat, I felt you. That was the first time that I said to myself, something in my brain, something in my heart, I could transfer to these these guys. They could take it out there. Now, of course, we did it every day in, in practice room mm-hmm. too. We worked, we worked, and we went at it. Okay, but they there there was a confidence and there was a connection, and you knew I had your back, and I knew that you guys were not going to disappoint me, except for uh, Revere. Having <laughs> said that, we mm-hmm. all have our days, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the beauty too of youth is learning from that those mm-hmm. mistakes as well. So, so tell me when you went, I, you know, and I don't know if you had the same kind of effect there, but you did affect me. Butch affected me. Uh, Tolan affected me. And, and you know, I, I wanted you guys to succeed more than I wanted myself to succeed. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in my life that I became selfless. I right. wanted other people to do better than I. And, I, and frankly, I didn't have your talent. No matter how hard I worked, I just was not physically gifted enough at that point to do well. Okay. Right. I did okay, mm-hmm. but I didn't do well. So tell me what that meant to you, if it did mean anything, and tell me how how, how it affected you as you went into college and, and you went on to life and some of the magnificent things that you've done in your in your career and in your life. Well I will tell you that when having been a coach for with you and right. and in other experiences in wrestling, yeah. um, it's that point when the you love the kids, they become um, more more important to you and their success becomes more important than any than what you do it's not about you anymore yeah. that's when you really um, feel what coaching's about and so being a 16 17 year old kid I you know really probably wasn't so aware of that I was aware that I had a older mentor uh, somebody that was I think you were probably out of college at the time and you were just out going yeah. to going just to grad out, school yeah. or something yeah, and um, you know someone that that had a, a lot of experience on me that really cared about me that cared about what was going on coach I the head coach you know cared about me too but he also had a bunch of other kids and a bunch sure. of other things to deal with but um, I think that the special attention that an assistant coach can give um, a group of kids really, can make a difference. And it's not like my father 
didn't care about me and didn't talk to me about things and didn't um, um, show me the, his worldview. Of course. But that's my dad's worldview, and it comes from a guy that grew up in the 40s. Right. And, and you know, and it's also somebody who um, maybe didn't look at me objectively and, and expected certain things from me that maybe I wasn't capable of. Or at least at that time. But to have somebody who was a friend slash coach sure. um, who I could really talk to about anything and things that I couldn't talk to my father about um, was really important. So the main difference going from my sophomore year to my junior year yeah. was was not only having the support at Beachwood um, and and being able to have those great wrestlers in the room. And I'll just say, yeah. I was, you, you know, you say I had physical talent. I did. I was the least talented um, naturally talented wrestler, probably that ever made the state finals from Beachwood. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but I, I understand what you're saying. I remember, I remember when we got to the state finals and we looked at each other and we go, "Wow!" But we did it. Yep. You know. But you know that's coming from three as and that's three. heart and that's brains. Mm-hmm. Heart and brains go a long way, Michael. They really do. But that's coming from also from three and twelve as a sophomore getting sure. beat up. And then making state my junior year, and then making well, the placed, finals. You placed, yeah. You placed both, and, both years. But what I what I say about lack of physical talent? I mean, you look at guys like Tommy Weiss, who could hit a fireman's carry on just about anybody right. in the country. Right. Guys like David Sternberg, who you could not get, you just couldn't get your hands on. He right. just he had the natural ability to move. Didn't make a mistake. Butch Lapsley, who yeah. walked on a mat first time in seventh grade and uh, was pulling stuff that. Guys who were wrestling for years couldn't do. Um, I I had the ability to mit- my my great ability um, was watching uh, um, Ricky Sorkin. Okay, and watching how he used uh, the top position um, and leg riding to score points and copying it. Sure, and I just copied it and did what he did. And at first, I didn't know how to do it right, and and and. It was a lot of trial and error and hundreds of hours of practice. Yep. Um, and eventually I, I developed a style was based on Sorkin style that um, no matter who took me down, no matter who I was wrestling, I was usually able to score points from the top on turns off of leg riding. And um, that got me a long way. The other thing was my sophomore going into my junior year, we all went to Doug Bluebaugh's top of the world wrestling camp. Sure. And, um, we went there as a team, and we, um, I would say we were the dominant group of guys. No doubt. But Blue Ball taught things that Coach I and Heck, that, we were good enough to go into the St. Ed's room on their request. Right. Remember that? Well, I have stories about that. Of I'll course. Yeah. But, um, no. but, and the other thing, too, Michael, I keep, keep, keep that thought in mind. You were the first wrestler that I ever coached that got his match down. No, but nobody was going to take their match to you. You were going to take your match to them. You had your takedown, you had your ride, and you had your escape. And I have taken that mentality mm-hmm. all through my career mm-hmm. as a coach so that the guys that I coach, and everybody's got their own little thing, their own little nuance, but to get their match down, and that's a lesson in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I'm sure. I'm sure when you go, and I know you know you guys out there may not listening. Michael is one of the top criminal defense attorneys in town. I'm sure when you go into that courtroom, you've got yourself prepared, and you've got yourself a strategy, and you've got yourself your style. Correct. You're going to take to. And I'm not intimidated. Indeed. And that's the direct result of my wrestling experience. And what I was going to say is is at Blue Boss Camp, 
and this and this is important because this is this was also the secret sauce was I learned some technique but what I really learned was the viciousness of nice. being a successful high school wrestler you cannot it's not something coach I uh, that we learned so much at Beachwood about the mental toughness and viciousness you have to take right. into a match and how you could have great technique but if you don't work your technique with a vicious attitude not to hurt somebody but but as Doug Blueball would say to make them hurt right um, and not be afraid to inflict a, a pain in a legal sportsman like way then you can't be successful in high school wrestling and with that secret sauce in the Beachwood room I was able to be successful junior and senior year right and by my senior year um you know, winning a bunch of matches, making the state finals. You know, after that, uh, I really felt like their situations weren't going to intimidate me. And even though I felt found myself in over my head um, in college, sometimes in law school, many right. times. Sure. And then as a lawyer, um, I always took the lesson of if I work hard enough and I prepare enough and I have the right well, you mental figure attitude, it out. you figure it out. I can that's, succeed. That's the beauty too. Mm -hmm. You know, as a parent. I've been blessed that my kids figured it out. You know, mm -hmm. they've been throwing some things at their life that, that some people don't have, and they figured it out. They found their own way. They mm -hmm. found their own community, and they have flourished in that. And I've seen you do the same thing, and something was thrown your way that you probably never would have expected 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And I see you wearing a beautiful hat mm -hmm. of giving back to wrestling, Ms. Mm -hmm. Rocky Wrestling, but you wore that today because you walked in a... It in, was an um, organization the, that supports your wonderful son Noah. Autism Speaks yes. is, is a national, worldwide organization right. uh, to support families with uh, children with autism or people that love people with autism. Yeah, so the wrestling and 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 the my experience with autism have been they're very intertwined. So my wife Sherry. Um, Terrific, who was a teacher. Terrific, terrific advocate of, of, the, of the situation. She um, took the bull by the horn, so to speak, when we got the diagnosis and started doing everything she could possibly do. And one of the things that she did was um, get involved with a now, um, not defunct, but it was incorporated into Autism Speaks called Cure Autism Now. Okay. And it was in California, and she went out to California and met with these people and um, um, the stash hours, and they... Um, were very, very uh, big advocates for finding a cure now, raising money to find a cure. Okay. And over the last 20 years, um, the emphasis has gone from curing autism because it is such a baffling combination of environmental and um, genetic factors right. to dealing with autism and and. Maximizing so therapy everybody's well yeah and overall therapy therapeutic approach to taking it? each person and yeah. and using their strengths to to maximize their their functionality okay. and their independence which which a lot of medicine is going to you know it's a lot right. of personal because my goodness gracious we know that cancer is not just one disease. Mm -hmm. It's it's a multi it's a it's a myriad of diseases right. that occur. So as you were saying, and autism is is an is really autisms. It's okay. a spectrum, and there's numbers of genes that right. um, dozens, hundreds maybe of genes that 
affect um, how somebody uh, presents wh- who's on the spectrum. Gotcha. So that experience, when you when you have a child who has a pervasive developmental disorder, mm-hmm. um, it, it can just ruin you as a yeah. person. And yeah. you have to be exceptionally strong. I think, you know, for starters, I was start. I was you know just hitting my stride in my law practice, and right. I probably didn't get more than three hours of sleep for. Like seven years. You know, it's interesting, Michael, when you say this. You know, I know you, okay? Mm-hmm. But I really don't know what you've gone through. Right. And it's amazing. You know, you see people just out in the world that are just doing fantastic stuff and everything. And, and you know them. You have a relationship with them. But I can't imagine getting three hours of sleep a night for that extended period of time. For basically then, seven years. Yes. Yeah. And then trying to be a professional and to support other right. people and hearing their issue and their, you know, you know, we had Scott Safanovitz in here, mm-hmm. uh, and he he's he's the first, and I, I look at it this way, that peace officer, if they're great at what they do, particularly with Scott, he's their first line of humanity with the very worst decision you've ever made in your life. Mm-hmm. You meet Scott Safanovitz. Or and, Michael Goldberg. Or Michael I mean. Goldberg, exactly. <laughs> and now you've got three hours of sleep, and you're dealing with an autistic son, and you're like, holy cow, right. how do I do that? And, 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 you know, we just take it for granted. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and dealing with, you know, robbers and drug dealers, Right. At work was almost like a res- respite from gotcha. from dealing with autism, which, um, in, right, unless you've been in a house with a child with autism yeah. um, on a regular basis, you don't know what what it's what it, that would the experience entails. Sure. And so, it, yeah, it's it it's it, it is a 24 um, seven job to redirect, to educate, to push right. you got to push a kid with autism because they don't want to get outside their comfort zone at least sure. my son okay. and we um have to push him and he doesn't want to do it but he, at the end of the day he grows from being pushed just like any kid but um so yeah but the the, the experience i had with wrestling is d- directly affected me on this and um it's just i put up with with wrestling i put up with a lot of adversity a lot of sure struggle it's a very honest sport, my friend. You mm-hmm. cannot hide from it. Yeah, a lot of failure um, yes. and a lot of pain in right. um, the whole eating uh, weight loss uh, element of, of just trying to do everything right of wrestling just to get to that next level, right? right. Yeah. Or, or the fact that you know you're you know you're 13 pounds over yeah. on Tuesday, <laughs> yeah. and you've got to deal with um, all the practices. Sure, and then cutting the weight and not really eating too much, and just we don't do that anymore. It just kind of sucks. Back I know in the day, back in the day, yeah, yeah, back in the day. But back in the day, we not, did, we weren't evolved. We did we that. We jumped that. rope yeah. with plastic bags on, and we yeah. we lost the weight, wrestled the match, and then we went to Denny's. Yeah, and and gained yeah. the thirteen pounds back. Or maybe joy donuts or whatever the heck we did, you know. But but yeah. here's the thing: it's like it's like knowing that you can make it through all that pain, right? Get to the test point, which is yeah. the match in, in in wrestling, and make it through, and 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 still and, and get through that experience and grow from it every time. Directly affected um, my ability to parent Noah. Most families, most couples with a child with autism don't stay together. Sure, families break up. Um, right. Speaking of that, you know, you have an older son, Jackson. Yeah, terrific kid. Mm-hmm. Right, and nobody really kind of talks about. That mm. you know, I um, I have my own experience. My my uncle Leonard, who was the first state qualifier, place winner, and captain of the Heights, Cleveland Heights wrestling program mm-hmm. ever, 
uh, was diagnosed in 1999, paranoid schizophrenic with delusions of grandeur, mm -hmm. and really tortured my, my mother growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and my mother was always kind of as the forgotten child because Leonard had to have the attention. Right. You know, it was the heartbreak for my grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, and this beautiful woman surviving the Armenian genocide, walking through Turkey, and then has to have this as her last heartache. But the other children are sort of kind of forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your son Jackson and how he's dealt with that, if you wish. Well, yeah, sure. So sure. Jackson is a great kid, and Jackson is very sensitive to Noah. Okay. He loves Noah. Um, he has um, grown up with the situation where we've had to give the uh, – larger share of our attention to Noah. Sure. Um, but Jackson, we've carved out very special things for Jackson. Okay. He, um, you know, I, every chance I got, I, I got him certified in scuba diving when he was 10. Oh, cool. So the, these were special times when he and I would go to uh, scuba diving trips. Right. Just the right. two of us in Mexico or, or something. So we have a, so he wasn't definitely not neglected and we never missed a school event. We never, we never missed anything because of Noah. And that was like a, and that was a function of being sensitive to Jackson and also Sherry being really, really good at engineering uh, the situation. Yes. Um, the true the best, mama bear, in right? In the best way possible. Yeah. Yep. So Jackson grew up. And I remember thinking, you know, when we first had the diagnosis, we didn't know what the future was going to be like. Right. But I did know that Jackson was going to grow up with great sensitivity okay. uh, to people. And it probably is something that I did not have growing up. Um I was well. Who did really? You know, uh, some people. Did. Yeah, they did. Some I, people I, did. And I understand that. You know, my family is similar to that. But I, I get it. But most kids are just not. You know, I was not sensitive to people with uh, with other other special needs. Yeah, and afflicted people. And and um, you know, and it's one of the main regrets I have when I look back at my school years, um, in high school, is that I wasn't more sensitive to to people um, that didn't have the same abilities or same neuro capabilities right. that, that right. other people had. Right. Um, and Noah's been a great teacher about opening your heart to people. Sure. And um, opening... and it's beautiful that you have this son, Jackson, that has that sensitivity. Right. And he is your DNA. Right. You know, so what is our greatest gift is to give the world kids that are better than us. Right. <laughs> you know, now my, my bar is low, so I'm good because my kids are fantastic. But it's really cool to hear that because... We, we do sort of just accept things, take things for granted that really we shouldn't. Right. You know, and also, too, I think what we're seeing with this great progression of human evolution, even though we, there's a lot of stuff that's nonsense out there and a lot of stuff that we could say maybe is de-evolved, de mm -hmm. you know, there is this, I think, this burgeoning, particularly with what's happening in the Internet, the ability to, to, to reach out and to find Okay, mm -hmm. and so now twenty years ago, there was no place really for a, a couple that had an autistic child or, or a child on the spectrum right. to go. And you and Sherry, particularly Sherry, mm -hmm. created at least the the, the knowledge, the, the 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 center base to have other couples, other people to go to, right. and, and to find out where they can help best help their their child well that's amazing it um, is that, that, that you would bring that up because this is what i was thinking today i was at the autism walk there was at least 7500 people wow. 10,000 people um downtown yeah. for this walk and you know when we first got that diagnosis for noah uh -huh. in 1999 
there was one in 10,000 kids diagnosed with autism. Wow. One in 10,000. Wow. So we were like, we won this really messed up lottery. Yeah, yeah, this, this and crazy Like, trophy. how did it yeah. become us? And then yeah. it eventually became a why not us? If it had to be us, you know, right. who's better equipped? Right. My wife, um, especially so, is just, she's just, like, why us to wrestle, you know? Well, I'm, <laughs> why I'm did we chose us to wrestle? <laughs> I'm definitely going to get to that because, yeah, yeah. because that is a related, that's my contribution. But, yeah. But but so now one, there was nowhere to turn. Right. Sherry basically invented Autism Speaks in Cleveland. Dear she was God. founded it. Yeah, I've been at many of those events. And there was the like yeah. five families, and right. Sherry like brought them together and started this walk. And now there is ten thousand people downtown walking, and right. this and Sherry did that, and and I give her all the credit. I could never have done it. I was the support. What a great last name that she had. Before she married, love man, love man. Mm-hmm. She I mean, does. She truly is a love woman. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And in the way I look, so I become in over the last twenty years and seeing this and watching how this has evolved. Um, I've come to see my whole wrestling experience in a much different light. Okay, I, um, I, I don't know that I grew up as a as an atheist. Okay, but I grew up as a um, as somebody that really didn't think about God all that much and sure. didn't think about. Kind of a secular Jew, right? How, yeah, definitely yeah. secular Jew, but didn't yeah. even think about how how the world works and and how um, God manifests Himself sure. um, in in the world. And now, with hindsight and with this gray beard, and I'm an old <laughs> man, and I'm 56 years old, um, I look back. That's my rearview mirror, my man. Uh huh. God bless. I yeah. see the wrestling experience as being God's preparation. For me, okay, to be Noah's father. I did. I get it. I, you know, it's not about right. you know success in law. That's great. I, you know, appreciate right. that. I couldn't do a lot of things that I do with, without that. But if ever there was a um, a sport, an experience that would prepare you for something mm-hmm. that is almost like climbing up Mount Everest, if Mount Everest didn't have a top. Oh wow! That's what autism is. You're right. climbing up a hill that it goes on forever, and right. you need. You need stamina. You need confidence. You need the ability to know that um, hard work and repetition and creating neuro pathways right. um, matter. And sure. so, I always I, now I look back and I say, listen, wrestling at the time right. was able to focus me, keep me out of trouble. Um, you know, I was able to get some success, and if you win tournaments, medals, scholarship sure. to college. Yeah. Um, which all you, that which you got, I, which I which I got, yes. which all of that was great. But in my in my mind, that was God taking me down a path that I could handle to get me ready to be Noah's father ten years, fifteen years later. Yes. And that's a that's a beautiful way to look. That's at it. how I look at it. Beautiful and way. So when I coach, I always tell the kids, I'm like, this is about this. Is, yes, we have sectionals coming up in four weeks, right. and we have districts after that, and state, right. and it's great. And you know, winning is great, and and and. Trophies and medals are great. Sure. And then I still have my, I actually have my district champion Love it. Um, plaque Love it. on my desk. The, Love it. The state second place. Fantastic. That's put up somewhere. <laughs> but exactly. the, the uh, district championship is on my desk. And that sure. meant something to me. But sure. but the way I see it now, it, it and I'm, what I've told kids that I've coached is, yeah. you're getting ready for something else. Yeah, you are. Whether it's a challenge you're going to have like I have or business or Something that you're going to have to face, where you're just going to have to reach down and into that reservoir of toughness yeah. that you're getting in this room, right. where it doesn't really count. Like, okay, so you lose a match, 
or nothing bad's going to happen to you. Right. You know, it, it is it is free training towards something that you're going to need where it counts. That in is, the real world. That is a uh, f- that is a phenomenal perspective. And as I as I aged, uh, I always had this internally and in my DNA because of my parents. But I care about graduating great human beings first and foremost, mm-hmm. because great wrestling is easy if you have those foundational pieces. And this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So wrestling is just literally a byproduct of great humanity. And I think this is what you're talking about too, with what you've done and the person that you, you chose to be your wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting how we choose, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now, you know, that's something that God does too, that indeed. I didn't know at the time. <laughs> These poise, you know, one of the things too, I, people ask me, you know, why do you coach? I said, I want to be a rudder, you know, just keep them on path to point them to that, to that point mm-hmm. of light. Okay. As long as that light's not the train coming at you, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, really what what is what, what are we here for to, mm-hmm. to do the right thing you know so having said that I, I really uh, uh, you have encapsulated why we do blood time why I'm doing blood time why I was called to do this I have to do this I can't kind of like you know you're, you're you were called to do this with with Noah mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily want to do it but you're didn't, called to do it didn't you know? sign up for it indeed well I I'm signing up for this but I I, I knew that I always had to do this mm-hmm. And Michael, you were the very you were the foundation of that. So you made me become an an adult. You evolved me, and there's some other people there too. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Dr. Thomasick. He got me to think differently mm-hmm. uh, in one one class called Philosophy, Religion at John Carroll University. And I, and I applaud John Carroll University because they brought in a guy who constantly questioned God mm-hmm. while he believed in God. Interesting, mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love that whole in, intellectual process, and I love what you've done with that, and how you've brought it back to our sport. Now, blood time is about that 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 combination between the athlete and, and the coach, and not necessarily about wrestling only. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have other people in. Uh, we've been talking to some other athletes to come in and talk about that. But this is the common theme that we're hearing. And there's some astounding people out there that are doing some astounding things. Right. So what, I, what I'd like to ask you, you know, before we wrap this up, and I could talk to you a long time about it, Michael, because, you know, there's so many guys that we, we've met over the careers and some of the things that have happened and, and have been thrown our way. There's some things that weren't that, that great. You know, there were some, some people that came into our lives that caused us pain. But more importantly, what we did with them. Mm-hmm. And so tell me, leave, leave us with something that you would like to resonate to the general public if there's only one thing to resonate or, or a couple things to resonate. Because I'll tell you what, you know, when I, when I was talking to Alan Krauss, you know Alan Krauss, right? Sure. Okay. He didn't want to be defined by his, by his surviving of the playing. He mm-hmm. wanted to be defined by how calm and peaceful he is and, and he just loves life. Right. He loves, you know what I mean? So, right. so I'm just going to throw it out to you and I'm going to let you talk and I'll be quiet. Okay. Well, first of all, I, w- I would say that um, you can never overestimate the impact of a coach on the long-term development of a player sure. um, or his, his uh, mentee. Um, I personally could have run off the rails a million times um, in high school and in college. And if it wasn't for coaches like you, 
Joe Perella, Dominic Amarino, Ronnie Madow. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'll even throw Jerry Pardue in there, sure. which is a whole nother show. That's right, stud. Um, <laughs> who gave me a college scholarship um, when right. when state runner-ups weren't really getting scholarships yep. and led to a whole uh, another series of events that were um, crazy, but, were you know, worked out to be exactly where I needed to be. Right. Um, but you can never over, overestimate how, the effect of a good coach on a kid. And when I see parents, you know, they're, they want um, – their kids to to exceed to excel when they're when they're young right the best advice i could give them is find them good coaches okay it doesn't matter what the sport is right it matters who's going to fit into that almost father-like position not every coach wants to be a father figure but to be in that position that they're going to maybe say things and do things and um set an example that's going to follow the kid forever. Sure. Um, I have, uh, you know, I have, I play things through in my mind to this day, and, you know, heading towards 60 years of age right? where I hear Joe Perella, I hear Dominic Amarino, I hear Peter Cimarroni. Gotcha. Um, uh, in my head, when certain things come up and I take the whole experience of wrestling and how it was presented to me right. and it's, and it's, and it's been essential to my, not only not being in jail, um, and being right. off the rails when I was right. a young kid, right. but you know whatever success I have in life, um, that's not due to directly to Sherry, my wife. It probably is based on my wrestling experience that's and the beautiful. and the coach's influence. And I'll put Doug Bluebaugh in there too sure. because sure. even though I only spent two weeks of my life with Doug Bluebaugh, he had a huge impact too. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You know, and it's find good coaches for your kids. That's that's what I would say. It's a third party validation, and sometimes it is the validation mm -hmm. of your existence because we have, we have heard this over and over again in every interview I've done that the coaches are either the only validation of great foundation, great skills, great internal attributes, as opposed to being a third-party validation because they got great parents. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's both that. There's mm -hmm. both that responsibility as the coach to be either sometimes the only validation in, in, a, in a young athlete's life. And so what I'm hearing from you is, is, is great because coaching is an, an incredibly important part of our society. And what you have done, the ripple effect. See, this is another thing too that I talk about, you know, in, in the room, both at Beachwood and now at Spring Falls, is that good and bad does not happen in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. They ripple. And so when you do good, do good always if you can. And now you're doing it for people that are in, you know, jeopardy, mm -hmm. and you're helping them out. And it also, too, your, your, you and your wonderful wife are doing some amazing things in the world of autism, and we're thankful for you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. Again, this is a this was an emotional interview for me. I love you with all my heart. You are, you are, one of the most special people in the world to me. I want to thank you. We are blood. This is Blood Time with Coach Cimarroni. I want to leave you with this thought of the day. The platinum rule, do unto others as they wish and desire to be treated. Or do unto others as they so desire. The platinum rule.
Hey everyone, this is Maverick Peters over at MV Podcasting. Just wanted to let you guys know this episode of Blood Time is brought to you by Chad Bronstein and the amazing people at Philo. Check them out today at www.hellofilo.com. That's H-E-L-L-O-F-Y-L-L-O.com. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 